Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Lightly Salted Podcast. I hope you enjoyed hearing our first episode last week. Nikki and I have been absolutely blown away by all of the love and support that you are showing us so far. We see your comments, we see your reviews, and honestly, we just want to thank you so much. We appreciate all of your support from the bottom of our hearts. I hope that you keep sharing these episodes with friends. I hope you keep listening, keep posting. It's helping so much to get our show out there. Today, Nikki and I welcome Kristen onto the show as our very first guest. We both felt like we gained so much from this conversation with Kristen, and I hope you all feel the same way after listening. Kristen had so much knowledge and advice to share about how to live a more mindful and embodied life. She's an old friend of mine who has always inspired me to live a meaningful life. In our conversation today, we're going to dive into the impact of community. We'll talk about the benefits of incorporating ceremony rituals into our lives and how cacao and mushrooms can support us on our journey through life. We'll also be talking about the upcoming yoga retreats that Kristen will be leading this fall, both locally and internationally. To start our conversation, Kristen is going to be leading us through a meditation. So if you're able to, go ahead and find a relaxing space, somewhere where you can be completely comfortable for the next few moments. If you're driving or you're working, or maybe you're somewhere that you can't fully engage in the meditation, that's totally okay. I definitely think that you'll still get something just by listening to it. All right, just this intro has me smiling, so I'm going to wrap this up and let's get into our full conversation with Kristen. All right, for everyone listening, I ask you to just take a moment, find some stillness. When you're ready, go ahead and close down your eyes and gently shift your awareness to the natural rhythm of your breath, exactly as it is in this moment. Start to fully arrive in this present moment by tuning into all of your sensations. Notice any of the sounds around you or the lack of sound. Notice the sensation of the air on your skin. The feeling of the ground beneath you, supporting you. And now drawing some awareness into your internal world. Notice how you feel in your body. Notice how your breath feels in your body. And gently observe any of the thoughts floating around in your mental realm. and taking a moment to unplug from the analytical mind. This part of the mind that's always analyzing, judging, planning, preparing, or reacting to the sensations of your world. 
and allowing yourself to sink back into the seat of the observer where you can notice all the sensations of the world around you and within you, the thoughts, the feelings, with no need to react, no need to judge, no need to fix or perfect anything at all, but just simply observing. Bring some awareness down to the base of your spine, your tailbone. Give a little press down. Bring a little more active length and energy through your low spine. And then draw that energy up through your mid back, your upper back. Feel the back of your neck lengthen and the crown of your head lift a little bit higher. Take a little deeper breath that you notice and a big sigh. Now study that breath in and out through your nose. And now draw your awareness to your navel. Notice how your belly rises and falls with your breath. And now really consciously take a deep breath into your belly. Feel your belly expand with this breath and then soften with your breath out. Now drawing some awareness into your heart space. Notice the sensation of your heart in your chest. How your chest rises and falls with each cycle of your breath. And now consciously take in a deep breath, feeling your chest expand with this inhale and soften with that breath out. Let your shoulders sink, let your facial muscles soften. Now drawing your awareness up to the crown of your head, feeling it lift nice and tall and taking a full body breath, your deepest breath, and a big sigh, let that go. And now that we're present, as you're ready, blinking your eyes back open and coming back into the space. I feel, yeah, I feel so, so good. good. This year I've been so focused on embodiment and really just trying to live less in my mind and more in my body. Meditation has really helped me to do this. So I'm very curious, what advice would you give to someone who wants to start meditating? And how do you feel like meditation has changed your life? So meditation, just like yoga, which yoga is a form of meditation, it's a moving meditation, has taught me that not everything requires a reaction. And that's kind of, you know, a huge point of meditation is allowing things to happen as they do without reacting to them. And this is where we find our power and our sovereignty and allowing things to happen and be as they are without striking a reaction in us. Because a lot of times our tendency to react is what can create issues in our lives. So my best advice to someone who wants to try meditation or start meditating, but feels maybe resistant towards it or doesn't understand what meditation is, is 
first of all, there are so many different kinds of meditation. There are moving meditations, there are chanting meditations, there are stillness and silence meditations. Um, and so it doesn't have to look one specific way. First of all, I think that can be the thing that's intimidating to a lot of people. And it's a practice. It's not something to be perfect at. Um, the whole point of meditation is to be present and to be non-reactive. Kind of like I mentioned, as we went into that meditation, we live so much of our lives in this analytical mind that's always analyzing the world around us and judging, preparing, protecting, you know, running our lives with this reactive mind. It's always reacting to the world around us. So the best way to start to prepare yourself for meditation or even integrate meditation into your life on a daily basis is to be able to unplug and notice when your mind is functioning in that analytical realm where you're reacting to the world around you, where you're judging and analyzing the world around you and just unplug by disengaging from reacting to it. So you can catch yourself in a space where you're just like in this whole dialogue in your mind and then step back and start to just notice the thoughts that are occurring in your mind, the thoughts that are coming up. And rather than reacting to them, just witness them and let them go. Because thoughts, just like emotions, are energy releasing from the body. And, you know, we're energetic beings. And this is beyond being just a spiritual concept. Now it is scientifically proven that we are energetic beings and we're emitting frequencies and um, that's what our thoughts are. That's just energy releasing from the body. But if we're always engaging with the thoughts, we're then spiraling that energy back into ourselves. But if we can step back and disengage and start to let the thoughts come and go without striking a reaction to us, that energy is actually releasing from the body. And that's what creates this really calming effect of meditation is that when we can allow ourselves to get in that non-reactive state and just let our thoughts come up and let them go we're releasing energy and then all of this energy is leaving the body and bringing us into a place of stillness centeredness calm and ease so the best way to start to prepare yourself or to integrate meditation is to just practice that non-reactivity notice your thoughts and you can notice them without reacting to them because you are not your thoughts. The mind is always going to be doing what it's doing. You know, it, it's, it's there for a reason. And the mind is a powerful tool. But if we don't do something about it, our mind can rule our lives where there's something much greater that is actually us. It's our soul. It's that observer within that notices the mind. So separating the two of them is a big key component. I honestly think that's really good advice because I think one of the biggest hurdles for me with meditation is letting my thoughts come in. I'm so used to reacting or responding to my thoughts like without even being aware I'm doing it or even getting frustrated with myself because my thoughts are wandering. So just hearing you say that, really recognizing is the first step is reassuring for me. Can you tell us what a typical day is like for you? It can vary. Um, there's some days that I teach classes or work with clients from 7am to 8am um, really early in the morning. And on those days, I generally am not having a whole lot of my own ritual or practice before I go off to teaching classes just because it's really early. 
But on the mornings where I do have the space, if I don't have like classes or clients before 9am, I try to wake up by 8am. But usually I tend to wake up around like seven, um, naturally. And ideally, I try to meditate every single morning, at least for 10 minutes. Sometimes that doesn't happen if I end up sleeping in. And, you know, I give myself grace on those days, because I used to be very rigid on myself about like having to practice every single day. And I noticed that having that rigidity and like, you know, not giving myself the grace to just have days off created some tension around my practices when really those practices are supposed to be helpful and support me in feeling good. So it shouldn't be forced. Um, So recently, my days and my schedule have been kind of just intuitively, you know, in the flow. Um, If I wake up and I have the space for it, I like to meditate and get some movement in whether it's a few minutes of stretching or yoga or a little workout. I take my dog for a walk, get outside for a little bit. And um, I generally fast until about 12pm. So I don't really have breakfast in the mornings. But I try to drink a bunch of water when I wake up and just set myself up for a good, strong day. I love that you move intuitively and kind of structure your day based on how you feel and really what you have going on on any given day. Yeah, I generally am not a person that's very structured, um, (laughs) believe it or not. And I don't have a whole lot of organization about, you know, the way I go about planning my schedule or my life in general, aside from obviously, like I have my clients and my classes that I do every week, but most everything else in my life is just very intuitively woven. And I just kind of go based on how I feel on each given day or, you know, what feels good to me. And Um, try to let that be my guide on the days that you do have classes and clients like more in the morning do you still find yourself like later in the day looping back to personal practices at all to reground yourself or on those days do you again just kind of like give yourself grace that that's just more of a full day where you have more on your plate it can be both honestly Um, there are some days where I teach three or four classes and honestly usually by the end of those days I like to come home and just do nothing I used to be kind of hard on myself and like being able to give myself the grace to just do nothing because it's really not in my nature whatsoever but I've found so much restoration can come in that especially for someone like myself who is just like go 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 all the time and especially because I love what I do for work so I'm you know eager to go 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 all the time but it's really good to balance that with doing nothing nothing so some days I might come home and do absolutely nothing but just make dinner and you know sit down read a book or go to bed even take my dog for a walk like really simple things and sometimes my practices might look a little bit different it might just be like some somatic movements which I've found to be really helpful in recent times um you know just kind of like any kind of like shaking or dancing or free flowing body movement that helps to kind of just like shake the energy off or I like to like energetically cleanse and release at the end of days where I've been working with a lot of people too and that can also look a a lot of different ways there's so many different practices that can help you to release energy and um, just kind of shake off any of the excess energy you've picked up throughout the day do you have any protective ways to protect your own energy yeah well 
the thing is when you are in the role of holding space for people, whether it's one person or a lot of people, you're inevitably going to share energy field with them. It just is the way that it, it works in, <laughs> in the world. But um, I think it's about being able to let that energy go rather than taking it on. So I think the more important part really is having practices and um, rituals of energy cleansing afterwards. So uh, a lot of times I will sit and do an energy cleansing meditation where I just sit, get into a meditative state and then visualize a little orb of white cleansing light over my head and let that light pour through my body and visualize it pouring through my energy field. And it's amazing what visualization work can do. Um, and I could go on a whole different tangent about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, that or like brushing the energy off of your body. That's something that a lot of shamans will tell you to do when you go into plant medicine ceremonies. They'll tell you to clean your house, wipe off your body or just shaking it off to dancing and like visualizing that energy falling off of your body. But, you know, another great way to kind of protect yourself a little bit more from taking on other people's energy is, again, going back to visualization before you go into a situation like a yoga class or a ceremony to take a moment and meditate and visualize a white light or, you know, energetic fence around you, so to say, where you can kind of visualize this field around you that is protecting you from taking on any energy that is not going to serve you. Okay, so I really like where we're going with this energy conversation. So can you just speak a little bit to where your energy awareness kind of came from? my awareness around the energetic world started around the time that I started doing yoga. Um, and, you know, yoga in itself is a practice that teaches us to be more aware of our entire being, not just our physical body, but our mental, emotional, energetic bodies. And so when I started doing yoga, I started becoming a lot more aware of these things. And it was around that time when I started practicing, and especially during my yoga teacher training, that I started to become really aware that we absorb other people's energy and you know you can feel other people's energy because we all have an energetic field that extends you know I think like 10 feet out from our physical bodies so we're all meshing with each other's energetic fields and at that time when I was learning about yoga I was also just diving into this whole realm of spirituality and consciousness and the energetic fields and learning about chakras and the energetic body and all the different things so I was just kind of diving in completely to a lot of different um, theories and, you know, systems about life. And I remember specifically back in this time during my teacher training, I was also working as a bartender and there was this girl that I worked with who just absolutely hated me. Like, I don't know really where it stemmed from, honestly, but she hated me. And I felt that like all the time. She was so nasty to me and I could feel her energy like furiating at me from around the corner sometimes if I was working with her. And it was really bothering me because I, I didn't know why she hated me. I didn't have any malicious feelings towards her. And I really didn't you know, want to be feeling that in my workplace by any means. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to a good friend of mine who she is a little bit older than me and was 
a little bit further in or, you know, much further in her spiritual journey and awareness of these types of things. And I was talking to her about it. And she was the one who actually told me to take a minute in the car before I go into work and visualize a white light and that energetic field of protection around me before I go in so that, you know, you're creating that sort of fence around you and it's going to uphold as long as you trust in that. So that was a piece of advice that was given to me from her. The more that you start to actually experience in your body, like when you feel other people's energy, the more start to differentiate between your energy and someone else's, which is a whole practice of its own, really. So for anyone who follows you on social media, they already know this, but you're such this like all-encompassing yoga queen is how I would describe it. I think you embody so much light and positivity and your flows are always just so inspiring. So I would love to hear about your process of becoming a certified yoga instructor. The specific training that I did was split up into two segments. And the first segment, we did a lot of emotional work, actually. One of the exercises that we did, we sat down and we created a list of five most common statements or beliefs that we make or think about ourselves, you know, kind of took a closer look at these things that we're saying and believing about ourselves and coming to this theory that everyone has this I am statement. And it's a a limiting belief about ourselves. Because as humans, our minds work in a certain way where sometimes they kind of work against us. So we all uncovered our most prominent limiting belief about ourselves and then started to work with that and take a closer look of like, where is this limiting belief coming from stemming back to childhood or, you know, wherever it started and learning to shift that limiting belief to be something more empowering for ourselves. So it wasn't actually even all just about yoga. It started out with some emotional work and um, taking a closer look at our mental realm and how we're showing up in the world, how we're speaking about ourselves and thinking about ourselves. And then from there, once we kind of uh, excavated some of that muck out of the mind, we started to then learn about the yoga practice and studied a little bit of the origins of yoga. And then we started to learn how to teach. And we practice the language of teaching people the breath, and the postures. And then we started practicing actually teaching each other in our group. When I graduated my yoga teacher training, I really, from the time that I decided that I wanted to be a yoga teacher, I wanted to make it my whole life because yoga just impacted my life in such a very profound way. And it changed my entire life. And I wanted to share that with everyone. Would you feel comfortable sharing the ways in which you feel like it's had an impact on your life? Yeah. So when I found yoga, I was searching for holistic ways of managing mental illness. I had grown up with a mother with severe mental illness and I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety when I was 12 years old and they put me on prescription medications. You know, by the time I was 16, I realized that they were not doing anything for me and I swore off of the medications and I didn't want to use them anymore. And, you know, after some more years of experimenting with other drugs, it's just kind of like, looking to find my joy and um, eventually hit a place where I realized that no, nothing 
external was going to solve the issues that I was having within. And so I started looking for holistic ways of healing. And a Google search, I found yoga and meditation and breath work. And I just started doing yoga on my apartment floor. And I didn't really know if I was even doing it right at the time. But I knew that something was working. And it was making me feel better. So I just continued to do that. And the biggest thing that I can say yoga has done for me is it's provided me with the tools to navigate those emotions, those feelings of depression or anxiety or any sort of challenge or discomfort and know that it's temporary and that I have the tools to move through that. One of them being your breath. Your breath is your biggest tool in yoga and ultimately in life. It's a huge tool for any kind of situation, but yoga has empowered me to reclaim my sovereignty and know that I can come back to a place of ease, of stillness and peace within regardless of the external situation, because that's what you do in yoga, right? Like the poses, a lot of them are not comfortable, they can be really challenging, and they can bring up a lot of discomfort, whether it be anxiety that's stored in our muscles, because that does happen, or it's working you to your limit and you're sweating and you feel like you're about to break but you just breathe through it Mm -hmm. and you come back to that place of ease within because you can create that and then that's a tool that you can take into every part of your life it's not just something that you use in yoga so that is ultimately what helped me overcome that label of I have depression or I have anxiety I started to realize that no this is not something that is a label or mm-hmm. a factor of who I am, but it's a temporary emotion or a state of being that I was experiencing. And yoga showed me that I can move those energies and emotions through me with my breath, with my body, and continue to just come back to that place of alignment and sovereignty. Thank you so much for sharing all of that with us. I can definitely relate to this, and I hope that our listeners are getting something from this conversation too, especially like what you said about finding the tools that worked for you to move through times of anxiety and depression. I hope that it gives some hope to people who might be struggling and just know that there are things out there that can support you and help you during those times. So looking at you now, You know, you're so advanced in your wellness and yoga practices, and I just really love hearing your story about where you started. Like, I think that alone is very inspiring, and I'm just so happy for you. You know, I've known you for a long time, and I I really just love seeing your journey from afar. I appreciate that affirmation because, you know, when I look back to the years where like, you know, you knew me when we had first met or just being younger and through my teenage years in general, I felt so lost and disconnected from myself Mm -hmm. and from the world around me. And I felt really alone. And it it is a beautiful journey, not just Mm -hmm. my own, but everyone's journey, because it always continues to unfold and lead you towards yourself, your true Mm -hmm. self, your liberation. And you know, you're always going to be presented with the opportunities and the connections and the experiences that are meant to ultimately set you free if you're open to receiving that Mm -hmm. guidance and following it. So circling back to your yoga teacher training, was it in Florida that you did that? No, I took it in Michigan as a studio called Am Yoga, downtown Grand Rapids, and could not recommend it more. The owners, Ashley and Molly, are incredibly incredible humans, and 
Um, the yoga teacher training was so empowering and all, overall have nothing bad I could possibly say about it. And to anyone that's thinking about trying yoga or doing a teacher training, I would highly recommend Am Yoga. I will say it is a specific style of yoga. So there's a lot of different kinds of yoga. And the specific style that Am Yoga teaches and is based in is Baptiste Vinyasa. So Vinyasa means flow. Um, vinyasa yoga is really about connecting your breath with your body movement. And it's also a more rigorous practice. So it, it is more challenging and um, can be more fitness based sometimes too, versus like yin yoga is completely restorative, generally all done on the floor, probably lying on your back the whole time. And so Baptiste Vinyasa was formulated by Baron Baptiste. He's a person and he formulated the specific sequence of Vinyasa. So it's uh, a set series of poses that is the whole Baptiste Vinyasa practice. However, Am Yoga isn't specific to only that sequence that's just what their studio is inspired by so they offer a lot of different styles of classes but that's kind of the main inspiration of their classes most of them and also their yoga teacher training i'm excited i'm gonna check it out do you remember how long of a process it was it's 200 hours and i think we had split it up over three months where the first segment that we did we were meeting every weekend friday to sunday 8 a.m to 8 p.m so we had three 12-hour days back to back to back and then we had a few weeks break after we did that first segment and i can't remember it was maybe like two or three weeks or something like that and then we came back for the second segment where we again were doing the every weekend friday to sunday 8 a.m to 8 p.m um and I think we probably split it up like 100 hours and 100 hours with a break in between. So just in talking more to you recently, I've learned how important community is to you. Can you share with our listeners a little bit about your community in St. Pete? Yeah, so I had honestly never felt a true sense of community in my life uh, before I got here. And the community here is just un unlike any other that I've ever experienced in the sense that they're just in absolute abundance of events and classes and offerings and workshops happening everywhere all the time centered around not only connection, but holistic living and, you know, movements, fitness practices, wellness practices, conscious living and all the things there's just so much to tap into here. It's really a, it would be a hard place to be and not grow in some way because there's just so many different uh, resources to tap into, whether it's yoga classes or meditation classes, sound baths. They just had <laughs> a conscious speed dating event, um, ceremonies, a cacao ceremony, um, recently some embodiment workshops coming up on the rise as well, uh, breath work classes and ceremonies is just it's never ending um and there's a really vibrant music community here as well so there's a kirtan every other friday which is basically just a communal space of singing and making music i made friends so easily and effortlessly when i moved here just by naturally going about what i do tapping into yoga or you know flow nights where people are dancing ecstatic dance and things like that and 
people are so kind and welcoming and loving and supportive to one another here also in a way that I've just really never experienced before. Um, it's like such a warm and inviting community where people are just so happy to welcome new faces and support each other and show up for one another. So that has impacted my life in such a beautiful way that's allowed me to open up more and explore new things like singing and making music that I kind of always felt called to but never really had the courage to and you know I found myself in a community that's so supportive of everyone in every way and um, it helped me to open up in new ways as well. St. Pete sounds like an incredible place to live and even I think it sounds like a really fun place to visit honestly. Can you share a little more about the connection circles? What does something like that look like? So a connection circle is really just a space that allows for people to show up without the masks that most of our society asks us to put on to just, you know, show up as you are and to speak and share and connect vulnerably um, in a way and in a space where you're seen, heard, and held in the presence of others without judgment. So the connection circles that I host, generally, we start by just going around the circle and sharing who we are, how we're showing up. And, you know, maybe if there's a theme of the event, like what your intention is, or something that you've been moving through in your life recently. And then I'll generally have like another topic or theme or reflection prompt that we then go around and share on that as well. You know, there's just not a whole lot of spaces for most people in their lives where they get to just show up how they are. And a lot of people don't have spaces where they feel safe to just show up and share vulnerably and speak vulnerably. So that really is kind of the biggest intention and having these connection circles is to have a space where we can connect with each other vulnerably and allow for everyone to have a chance to be really held in the presence of others because some people just don't ever feel seen in that way. With those um, connection circles, what is like your typical group size? Um, So I host a monthly women's circle and that one continues to grow actually, um, but it can be anywhere from 10 women to almost 30. And I mainly focus on women's spaces with the connection circles, but I have actually uh, recently been asked by um, one of my friends and a woman who's attended my retreats and women's circles to create ceremonies for men and women. So that's something that I have coming up on my schedule soon. So it'll be my first time hosting a ceremony and connection space for men and women together um outside of you know like events that I've done in the community where we don't necessarily focus purely on like a structured or um main connection circle but yeah anyway from like 10 to 30 people so you mentioned cacao earlier Nikki and I are very curious to learn everything that you know about cacao cacao is a fruit actually uh if anyone listening didn't know that because I think you know most people think of cacao and they're like oh cocoa and that's Mm -hmm. chocolate right (laughs) (laughs) um but cacao grows on a fruit tree and so it um grows in this little pod that's kind of shaped and looks like a football um and when you cut it open there's this like white fruit webbing and they're in little pods where then it's like this little fruit pouch that has a little cacao bean in it And the fruit 
is really yummy. Like that white mesh that's yummy in itself and the cacao bean in its raw state is actually really acidic so it's not that great for our digestive system though it you know it it just tastes like really bitter dark chocolate and so the whole process of creating cacao and this is the whole process that all chocolate is made from you take out the cacao beans and they are then fermented for a matter of days it depends on the process of whoever's processing and manufacturing it and then the cacao beans need to be dried and then roasted and ground into a paste or a powder so I actually import 100% pure ceremonial grade cacao from a women's farm in Guatemala that I visited back when I was traveling there in February and their process, which, you know, they have had this process passed down through their ancestry and it's a really sacred tradition for them. They ferment the beans in uh, wrapped in banana leaves in a woven basket and they use all earth made materials. They're not using any synthetic or man-made materials at all. Um, and then they dry the beans under the sun and the moon for five days and five nights And, you know, for them, that's soaking in the energy of the sun and the moon. And then they grind the beans or I'm sorry, they roast the beans first and they're roasting it in a stone fire with three stones representing sun, moon and earth. And then they grind the beans and they're praying as they're grinding it too. the whole time. They put so much sacred intention into it. Um, And then it gets ground into that paste and then they form it into a little block and then it's shipped off to all the people who get to enjoy it. So, you know, whoever's manufacturing cacao has their own process and some uh, companies and people are doing it in like huge labs where they're in, you know, big processing equipment. Um, And then there's some indigenous and native people who are doing it on a much smaller scale with a lot more intention. So sourcing is really important to me because it is held as a very sacred medicine for indigenous people and native people. And cacao is a superfood. First of all, it's filled with vitamins and nutrients, B vitamins and flavonoids and healthy fats and oils and magnesium and a plethora of different vitamins. It's also really high in theobromine. And theobromine is a heart opening compound. It physically expands and opens the valves of our heart, which then improves circulation and blood flow. It also brings energy. It does have a subtle level of caffeine as well, which contributes to that. But the main activating and energizing compound of cacao is the theobromine. And theobroma means food of the gods. So there's uh, actually a little... Uh, myth that somebody told me when I was in Colombia that the story of how cacao was brought to earth was that a goddess from the etheric realm came to visit earth and she came to just check it out and see what it was like here and she fell in love with the people and the plants and the whole planet and when it was time for her to go back to her home planet she shed a tear of love for the planet which then soaked into the earth and became the cacao tree um so that's just a cute little story and you know it's regarded as a very sacred medicine cacao is traditionally used in ceremony in celebration so if you're in a cacao ceremony it's usually involving singing dancing connection intimacy making music and it's a very joyful um celebratory medicine so do you drink it then Mm -hmm. Yeah, so you can do a lot of different things with cacao and because it's basically dark chocolate in its purest form. It's really, really strong. So it's bitter. It can taste kind of acidic or 
depending on where it comes from, it can even have kind of like a slightly like smoky aroma. So you can, I get it in block form and I'll just shave it off into powder or like little crumbles and you can put it in your smoothies. You could crumble it over oatmeal or yogurt or traditionally how most people like to consume cacao is in a drink form. So I usually will make it with coconut milk. Recently, I actually made it with coconut water and it tasted really, really yummy. I did that for um, the last women's ceremony that I had last weekend and everybody really liked it because coconut water has a natural kind of sweetness. So it helps to balance that um, like pungent bitterness from the dark chocolate taste. Often people like to add spices to it to kind of give it some more flavor. So commonly used with cacao would be like cinnamon, nutmeg, turmeric, ginger, uh, clove. I really like putting clove in it or cardamom and you can sweeten it with anything you like. Cacao is something that you sell, right? Yes. Yeah, I import it from a women's farm called Finca de Nueva Amanecer, which means farm of the new dawn. And it's an all women's farm and they use a lot of their profits to support women's rights and education in the Sierra Maya region of Guatemala. So I buy directly from them and then I sell mostly locally. I have shipped some orders to uh, Michigan and a couple other places, but yes, I do. It's $35 a pound and then um, I do offer it at wholesale prices as well if people want to buy in large quantity. I'm so eager to talk to you about the upcoming retreats that you have. I know the um, Liberate the Sacred, that's the one in Guatemala, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So tell me about that one. Also, the one that you have coming up very soon in September, right? Yeah. So I actually one? have okay. two coming up in September. Okay. Um I have a yoga and mushroom retreat coming up in Lithia in Florida with a good sister of mine who works a lot with mushrooms. She grows them and has been working with them for years. And then I have a women's retreat, a yoga and embodiment retreat coming up in the Blue Ridge Mountains in North Carolina with another dear sister of mine who is an embodiment coach. That's beautiful. What will those entail? So uh, the yoga and mushroom retreat is going to be a short weekend retreat. It's uh, starting on a Friday afternoon, where we'll just kind of ground into the space, have our opening circle, and then start with morning yoga the next day, a morning meditation and connection circle. And then we'll, of course, have like mealtimes and in the early afternoon, going to our mushroom ceremony. Um, And we're going to also be working with cacao as well. And Cassandra, my friend and I are going to be holding the space for all the participants going through the mushroom ceremony. And um, it's going to be a really beautiful experience. We're going to be on a private property with a pool and like a big, huge yard and a nice outdoor patio. And then later that evening, we'll have a fire and just kind of an integration space for everyone settling down out of the journey. And the following morning, we'll have uh, morning yoga, meditation, integration and closing circle. And um, that will be it for that one. And then the yoga and embodiment retreat coming up in North Carolina, which is at the end of September. And this is called Wild Woman Awakening. We're having five nights, six days in the mountains. And we've got a beautiful private home in the Blue Ridge Mountains with mountain access and a hot tub and incredible views. So we'll be doing morning yoga, meditation and embodiment practices every day. We'll also be having a sacred rage practice where Joanna, my friend who's co-facilitating with me, will be teaching us how to 
express and alchemize the feelings of rage and anger in a really sacred way that's beneficial and um, positive for us to release that kind of energy. And she'll be the one guiding us through the embodiment practices as well, just teaching us to tune into our bodies, to feel our emotions and all of their depth and let that energy move through us. Um, and then we'll also be having some sound bath meditations and a cacao and hape ceremony. Uh, hape is another plant medicine that comes from South and Latin America, which it's a herbal snuff. It's traditionally made with ground tobacco and herbs, and it's facilitated through your nostrils, which is actually a very momentary sensation where it's kind of just burning in your nostrils. And on a physical level, it helps to decalcify your pineal gland. Um, and it's a very grounding and clearing medicine. Uh, so it's not psychedelic or hallucinogenic in any way. It's used a lot in ceremony paired with other plant medicines to help ground people into their bodies and to clear the energy field. So that will be part of it. We're going to have a cacao paint party and some movement practices, a waterfall hike, and a bunch of other good juicy stuff as well. So that retreat is really rooted in the intention of awakening the wild woman and bringing us all into deep connection with ourselves and each other and nature and embodying the depth of our emotions and our world as women mm -hmm. and that free that wild part of us I love that uh, so much that's amazing what about the liberate the sacred this one I'm really excited about as well I mean I'm excited about all of them but um this one I, I get really excited about the international ones because it is that much more impactful when you take that leap to step into the unknown and you know for a lot of people that's really stepping outside of your comfort zone too so liberate the sacred is at the yoga forest at Lake Atilan, uh, which is in Guatemala. And Lake Atilan itself is just a very sacred and magical place. And there's some magical little stories about the origin of Lake Atitlan and all this rich Mayan history, which I could go on a whole tangent about. But the Yoga Forest is a retreat center in San Marcos, which is a village at the lake. They call it the Hippie Village. <laughs> it's a really <laughs> cute little place. And so this is going to be a full week-long retreat where, of course, I'll be doing the morning yoga every single day. We'll have a sunrise hike over the lake. And I have uh, another close sister of mine who's going to come in and do a call a tantra workshop so um tantra is a whole realm of its own and a lot of people when they think of tantra think of sex but tantra really is about just tapping into your sensuality and the pleasures and sensualities of life in all its different forms and she'll be sharing with us the kala tantra yoga series which is a physical asana practice asana is the yoga posture um, so it's going to be a physical yoga practice and then she's also going to be sharing a Thai yoga massage workshop where we'll be learning how to massage each other. And Thai yoga massage is where you pretty much make someone do yoga, but in a restorative way. And we'll also have a cacao ceremony. We're going to do an ecstatic dance at the ecstatic dance temple in San Marcos. And I'll be sharing some other workshops on alignment, asana alignment. So teaching people how to properly align their bodies physically in the yoga poses, which I think a lot of people, you know, when they do yoga, have that feeling of like, I don't feel like I'm doing this right, or I don't know if I'm doing this right. So um, this workshop will give you the awareness of how your body should be aligned 
in the yoga poses. Um, and I'll also be doing an inversion and handstand workshop, teaching people how to play upside down, which is something that I specialize in. I love doing handstands and inversions. And we'll have a partner yoga workshop, which is just a really fun, playful space where we stretch each other out in a different kind of way and create cool shapes with our bodies and some other good fun stuff as well. Connection circles are a focus point of all of my retreats. So every morning of pretty much every retreat that I do starts with yoga, meditation and connection circle. So that's always a part of it as well. How would somebody go about like joining one of your retreats or like accessing them, like finding, Mm -hmm. finding you and finding the retreats that you have to offer? Like anybody listening that was curious or interested in that, how would they be able to link up with you to become a part of something like that? My main hub with like all the information for all of my retreats is on my website, which is www.botanicbod.yoga. And I have different tabs with all of my different retreats going on there. I also post a lot on Instagram. My business Instagram is at botanicbodyoga. And there's a little link in my Instagram bio as well that leads to my website and to all the different retreats and whatnot as well. And I also talk a lot about it on my personal profiles too. So um, most people just reach out to me directly via messenger or, you know, whatever way, text or Facebook, Instagram. So I can be reached in many different ways. Awesome. Well, we'll definitely link that in the show notes too. Yes, we will for sure. Um, And I have one more question kind of going off this. So along with like the mushroom conversation, as you were talking about your Blue Ridge Ridge Mountain Retreat, is that where it was? Yeah. Obviously, mushrooms can kind of have like a different connotation depending on, I just don't know where all of our listeners are listening from. Um, And I definitely used to have thoughts about them too, I guess, in that way. but have obviously become a lot more open-minded. So I hope that people listening are being a little Mm -hmm. bit more open-minded with that topic. But I'm just curious for somebody who has experienced what mushrooms can do in like a positive light, can you kind of describe your experience or experiences of other retreats that you have been to and what the psychedelic piece of mushrooms has been? Mm, Yeah, so I have actually never personally attended a mushroom retreat. I've worked with mushrooms in microdosing, um, which my friend Cassandra, who I'm co-facilitating that retreat with, like I said, she grows and works a lot with mushrooms. And she actually has over 80 patients that she sets up with a month's worth of microdoses at a time. And she weighs out the doses uh, individually where you dose every other day. And the microdoses, they're so minuscule. You're not having a psychedelic or hallucinogenic experience, but the purpose of it is that mushrooms generate a lot of healing in the body from, you know, on the mental level, they help to form new neural pathways and regenerate synapses and, you know, activate all of this life and uh, regeneration in the brain on an emotional level, it helps to unwind and open up. So, you know, naturally, we start to develop blockages of emotion that gets stuck in the body. And it just happens. You know, most people don't have an awareness from the time that they're young that we need to do things like yoga or breath work or embodiment practices to release energy because that's just not the world that we live in. And so naturally, most people end up with blocked energy in the body, which comes from emotion that's never felt or expressed or 
acknowledged and uh, mushrooms can be a beautiful tool that helps to unwind those blockages and release a lot of stuck energy and it can be a really beautiful healing experience so that's just one very small example of kind of the healing impact of mushrooms and when you're working with a higher dose it will take you much deeper into that experience of release and awakening within your body and especially when you're doing it in an intentional way in a ceremonial way and you have people holding space for you it can be a really beautiful experience to unwind some things that may be stuck in the body or in the mind and move through it and witness and allow all of that energy to be released and bringing you back into alignment with unconditional love which is what's underneath all of that for everyone yeah I mean it sounds beautiful and I think the community piece like being able to experience that emotional healing in a community like that I think that it would be obviously very ceremonial and I think just a really beautiful experience all around and I think it's so important to be able to really dig deep and kind of feel those feelings so it's awesome that it has been able to help um, Cassandra in that way be able to kind of experience that because I can't imagine like not like I am somebody that very much has like my emotions on my sleeve and express things even when I don't want to so I can't imagine like not being able to fully release that and I think that it's beautiful that she has found something to help her yeah. um, experience that and that it's something that is a tool that other people can use too. For people who might be going on their first yoga retreat, how could they prepare if there's any preparation needed? I don't know. How could they get in that mindset for a retreat? Mm. Well, I guess it, you know, it depends on the kind of retreat too. Like there's definitely a big difference between like an international retreat and a domestic retreat as far as how much you have to prepare for travel and actually getting there. But on a mental level, I think that's the best way to prepare yourself is to know that it's a time for you to leave behind all of the normal life things. Um, And I've kind of experienced this in my first domestic retreat that I did, which was in Florida, not far from where I live, where people were still very like intertwined with their day-to-day lives. And I think the whole purpose, you know, for anyone attending a retreat is to separate from all of the stressors and the routines and the responsibilities of your everyday life so that you can have a space to just be and experience whatever that retreat offers, which, you know, and most of the time is some sort of healing or awakening or empowerment. The most important thing to be able to truly receive that is to fully let go. Mm -hmm. Um, And it can be hard because we become very attached to all of our things and our routines, our responsibilities and so sometimes people can be resistant to really showing up in uh, receiving mode and being fully present in a space like that. And sometimes it comes so easy for people because they're like, yeah, I'm ready to get the hell out of my daily routines and they're just there for it. But um, yeah, just like giving yourself permission really more to say to like be present where you are and let go of everything else and not be stuck in the worries of like what you're going back to after the retreat or the stresses about anything else going on in your life, but just allowing yourself to be fully present to receive everything that's happening. I love that. Just being able to like fully unplug. And I think it kind of goes back to some of the meditation conversation um, that we had in the beginning, like allowing those thoughts to come, but not to take up space, right? Like, Mm -hmm. Yeah, be able to keep on 
keep on moving and be present in the moment and acknowledge that that's there too. And obviously it is your life and you're outside of that moment, but being able to know that that kind of has a different face and not allow it to take over the time that you're carving out for yourself. kind of. Mm-hmm. I think that you've given so much wonderful advice in this episode and you've been so knowledgeable and vulnerable. So much value. Yeah, I think it's been such a great episode. Thank you for taking time to talk with us and answer all of our questions. And um, the last thing I want to just ask is where can people connect with you? How can people um, find you on social media? We'll drop all the links. Yeah, my business page and on Facebook, you can find it Botanic Body Yoga. On Instagram, it's going to be Botanic Bod Yoga is the tag. Um, but Botanic Body Yoga is my business. And my website is www.botanicbod.yoga. If you're looking for my personal Instagram, it's Etheric Yogini. Um, and I also do share a lot of my offerings on that page as well. So uh, Instagram is a good place to reach me. My website is a good place to tap into all of my retreats and offerings and also read more about my mission statement and what I do with Botanic Body Yoga. Amazing. Thank you so much, Kristen. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed listening and want to help support us, it would be great if you could leave us a rating and leave us a review. It means so much to us. You can do this on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at the Lightly Salted Podcast if you want to stay in the loop on everything happening behind the scenes. Have a great week, everybody, and talk to you next Thursday.